Several attempts were made at Beaver Lake, the largest lake in that area, aside from Whitefish Lake. Its shape was that of a wax W that had melted in the sun with stretches on each end extending almost a half mile. The south section, which was the base of the malformed letter, appeared the most accessible for parking and launching by raft, whereas the other side was marshy and had a gentle stream. This stream led to a lesser body of water, the Little Beaver Lake, shaped like a human molar. The results of our fishing at Beaver Lake were terrible, but we had two divergent stories to tell. When we got to Beaver Lake, we were on the opposite end from Uncle Hal's favorite spot, so I figured we could kick our way over there in the tubes, and we did. It took a long time, but was very enjoyable. Once there, I loaded my weapon with a worm only to have it backfire. The dang pole was sticking again. I put a fake worm on, put the hook in the water, and manually extended the line as I kicked away. There were so many fish, but none were hungry. Well, at least they weren't hungry for a plastic worm, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't want a real worm either, but that's their preference, I suppose. On the way back across the lake, my pole was casting fine. Moody, I guess. That journey ate up the daylight quickly. Calms, 921-99 This entry was incomplete. Though comprehensive in expressing the recurring failures of angling, the entry fell short of going in depth about the coffee and water that I had just consumed. His reflections failed to acknowledge my irresponsibility of not urinating before putting on waders for a journey through water and time. His words offered no mention of my bladder. Why would he write about my bladder? Because I damn near lost it in the line of fishing. I lived to tell the tale, and so I must take you back to where the fishing story began. It would be a delightful start to the young afternoon. The sun peeked through the windows of the cabin, spurring a revolution of motivation. A cold passing dawn meant a noble time for the second round of scalding water sifting through fresh coffee grounds and a white filter. Sounds of near-boiling temperatures percolated a coffee pot that would nearly seal one man's fate. I opened the cabinets to find the right lure. Two pinches of sugar. Two drips of cream. I weighed in on cinnamon, but the sun was out molding a shadow already. No cinnamon. Nutmeg was needed for this time of day. I sat in the lazy boy with my steaming coffee. The coffee first cooled with a steady breath at its surface to a manageable 135 degrees Fahrenheit. Next, the contents poured down my throat in anticipation of repelling some surfacing tiredness. Mmm. -hmm. Further down, the coffee dropped through the esophagus. Though some absorption would occur, most of the liquids were not so fortuitous. Andy was now awake and fit for a dramatic day at the lake. We had counted on a showing at Beaver Lake for quite some time, and today would be that day. Armed with fishing poles and tubes, he remained ill-informed about the status of coffee racing through my body. He had no idea that I had even drunk coffee. The liquids were now in my stomach, facing the doomsday, hell-like, acidy conditions reminiscent of the Tarawa invasion. We loaded up the Aloha with our gear and headed down the bumpy road. The vibrations seemed to expedite the fluid's momentum like a jigged bait for attracting bass. 
I took several finishing drinks from my thermos, full of the second cup of coffee, followed by a liter of water to remain hydrated. There would now be two fronts of fluid processing inward. We arrived at a dirt parking spot at Beaver Lake and dressed in impermeable waders. Little did I realize I was putting on a casket tailored to the burial and preservation of any unplanned call to nature. The original wave of coffee had seen enough processing in the stomach and thus flowed through twenty feet of turbulence in the small intestines. The second wave of fluids had newly reached the stomach and jumped around like a fish at the surface, risking suffocation for thirsty insects. Getting far out on a lake with a tube, waders, and fins was amazing. To be in frigid water without being wet felt free and exciting like a duck. Inaccessible spots from the shore became prime targets. Sometimes a tube can even go where boats cannot. Andy ventured off to his own location just as some coffee trolled off to my large intestines. As for the majority of fluids, they would smile upon the kidneys with great relief, one ultimate chance for salvation. The drawback to fishing in a tube is that it takes an eternity to get where you want to be, and much longer to get back. But I wanted the big fish. By the time I reached a location of near perfection, I sensed another nibble. The digestive system had fully mined that first wave of consumed fluids. I felt the abrupt coffee strike on my bladder. At least twelve ounces, but possibly more. The fight commenced. Coffee on, I yelled. The duck paddling began. The shore seemed so far, perhaps two hundred yards away. Staggered fishermen throughout the waterfronts were tiny figurines, so distant and small. The invisible speedometer showed five yards gained per minute. No duck would ever boast of such a pathetic velocity. The second cup of coffee and the liter of water had finished their joyride with much greater velocity and were putting up a marvelous fight. This had to be more than twelve ounces. This was a whopper. To relieve myself now would mean another thirty minutes swimming in sixteen ounces of pee. To go now with no change of clothes would mean a drive back to the cabin, soaked with urine. I entered those waters with a catch-and-release permit only. The aches in my abdomen worsened as shore approached like a glacier, a glacier going uphill against hurricane-force wind. The stronger I paddled, the worse my bladder expanded. Too much tension, and it would break. But that coffee continued to fight tenaciously, while I boldly reeled in that shoreline by the pedaling of my fins every chance possible. Thirty feet away. Twenty-five. The theme song to Chariots of Fire played in my mind as my feet kept kicking. Twenty. Fifteen. There would be no squirts of anticipation. The fishermen at the beach erupted with glee and waved me in, akin to flight deck attendants on an aircraft carrier. Ten. The music intensified. Three. Two, one, I rolled onto Mother Earth and somehow crawled and walked forward toward the bushes. Two large lumberjacks stood with arms crossed in my path, but once they witnessed my determination quickly gave way as would club bouncers allowing a VIP through. I unzipped. I showered the first bush I found. My hands would not hold an aim, no. 
They were held high like the dramatic scene from Platoon. I fell to my knees after all the strain vanished, arms still in the air. The outputs weighed in at a new Beaver Lake record of 19 ounces. There was no concern for onlookers as they were still cheering, for I had averted a medical emergency amidst the biggest battle of my angling career. No medevac needed. The coffee and water had just begun a new circle of life. Fade seen to black. This fishing story was inspired by true events.